Well, hello, it's me, Lady Friday again. Hi. So, I recently realized that I had not addressed an issue that is very near and dear to my heart. It's actually the tagline to our website, your personal reparation. But I've never really addressed reparations, in fact, in a podcast. So today, I'm going to <laughs> rectify that. Yes, my favorite, favorite word, rectify, reparations. So, sit back, get comfortable, and uh, we're about to get to the meat of this. So, reparation. Reparations were originally guaranteed to the freed slaves. Um, after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. 1863, we had the Emancipation Proclamation. In 1876, 13 years later, Jim Crow laws were implemented. And those provided a systematic legal basis for segregating and discriminating against African Americans. Jim Crow, by the way, is a racist term for a black person. So how about that? We're just, basically, we could call those, you know, the nigger laws. Because that's what Jim Crow means. Then there are the black code laws. And those were restrictive laws designed to limit the freedom of African Americans and assure their availability as a cheap labor force after, after slavery was abolished in the Civil War. So, check that out. So, the Emancipation Proclamation was in 1863, but in short order, less than 10 years, we have laws put on the books that are designed to restrict the lives of these freed Africans, uh, where there are laws put in the books to discriminate against them and to keep them separate, separate, separate away from the white folk. So these then freed slaves had no jobs. They had nothing. They had no property. Many of them became sharecroppers. If any of you listening are farmers, you understand that for sharecroppers, basically it means you get to work a plot of land for a certain amount of money. You have to pay the landowner. And it's extremely unfair. It's, you know, basically like title loans. You know, you pay this huge amount of interest uh, for this uh, little bit of money. It's proprietary. It's predatory. And it's completely unfair. And so these families were barely managed to eke a living. And if they didn't meet the payment, they were kicked off. And then, oh, those interesting black code laws come into play. Because if you don't have a job that white men approved of, you could be thrown into jail. Now, keep in mind, this is all after slavery. So a black person who did not have a job that whites approved of could be thrown into jail. They were laws that allowed you to be discriminated against, the Jim Crow laws. 
your kids couldn't go to school with white kids. You didn't even walk in the same door as a white person. As an adult, you had to speak to other adults in a differential manner, in a respectful manner. You had to call an adult white person miss or mister, no matter how old they were or how old you were. So that 60-year-old freed slave, when speaking to a young white person, had to address that white person as miss or mister, while they spoke to them as though they were a child while using their first name. This is how America has lived. And this is our history. And has remained so until not too recently in history, actually. Because the Jim Crow laws were only stopped being enforced in 1965. 1965. The Civil Rights Voting Act was established in 1964. That's within many people's lifetime that are alive right now. So even though you might you were not an actual enslaved African, you were the descendants of, you still lived with and dealt with gross discrimination because of your ancestry for quite a while. So, and let's look at reparations for other types of people. Let's see. Let's look at the Japanese internment. That went on for four years during World War II here in this country. And in 1988, Ronald Reagan established reparations for $25,000 for the... Japanese people who were interred. Think about that. Now, if you had, you know, if you extrapolate $20,000 and how much money that would have been in uh, 1865 and multiplied that to today, that would be a crazy amount of money. And of course, those people are all gone. But my point in bringing it up is we did it because we understood that what we did was wrong. We as a country, and I say we because I'm an American. I am a, an American of African descent, but I am an American, true and blue. However, I think that when we can rebuild Japan after we bombed them, if we can give reparations to the Japanese, and they greatly deserved so, um, African Americans who are the descendants of slaves, and we have to recognize that there are African Americans these days who are immigrants who came to this country, immigrated to this country, who family have never been enslaved here. Now, they are not the majority of the African Americans here, but they do exist. So we're going to speak about the African American descendants of slaves deserve to have their history recognized, apologized for, and some sort of judge justice, a judgment for us, 
so that we can finally get past the wounds, the festering wounds that exist today. I was looking on Facebook and I was reading these interesting comments. Well, my family didn't come here until 1903. Why shouldn't I pay for reparations? Well, while your family may have not been slave owners, your family and you still benefit from the oppression of the descendants of African slaves. I'll explain how. When families that came over here, and I mean European families, came over. Now, the Irish, they had some discrimination initially, but within one generation, one short generation, they were getting jobs, they were assimilating into society, and they moved on with their lives. Here's the difference. That's because they look just like the former slave owners. The difference between the descendants of African slaves is, is that our melanated skin shows us to be who we very probably are, the descendants of African slaves. We are forever attached to that history, to that un- apologize for history. When you look at the fact that Black Wall Street, a thriving com- uh, community in Tulsa that was bombed, eradicated, Rosewood, Florida, a com- Black community, shot up, massacred, the last known now I say known, I'm going to do my little air quotes, known KKK lynching was in 1981. Not that long ago, folks. So when I hear people say things like, well, it was such a long time ago, I just don't see why you get over it. No one says get over it to the Jews. No one. No one says get over it to the Jews. No one says get over it to Native Americans. Native Americans, don't get me wrong, were treated horribly as well. Treaty after treaty, ignored and reneged upon, my second favorite word, reneged. And put in onto, you know, basically large internment camps, just like the type we're doing right now, but on larger scale. But at least they have casinos now, right? At least there's, they're getting a little something. The really shitty thing about uh, Native Americans to me is that if they aren't actually typically considered American, they're not American citizens if you live on a reservation because it's a completely different, it's outside of our government's control. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, and I think that there would have been people who'd been perfectly fine to do that to um, the freed slaves as well, but there were a lot of us, and uh, it was more beneficial to use us as cheap labor because we, and most of them had spoke the language and had been 
missionized. They had come to embrace the white Jesus. And so they were easier to deal with. So, yeah. And it's very offensive to me when I read comments like, well, I didn't do it, so why should I why should I pay for anything? The very fact that your grandmother could go and get a job working as a secretary because my grandmother came and took care of you and your um your mom and dad and your aunties and uncles because they couldn't go and get a job is how you benefited from the oppression of African slaves. The very fact that it, that if you came to this country after 1950, or before 1950, I should say, uh, you were able to go and enroll in any university you wanted. My ancestors couldn't do that. And get accepted? Maybe they might get accepted, but could they get a job? Now that's a different question. And answer. The answer is probably no. Um, my father went to university and was degreed, but he ended up taking a position in law enforcement because he could not get a job in the field that he was degreed in. <laughs> Lovely, right? So, to me, reparations is personal. I would love to see some sort of acknowledgement done so that we can start the healing. I don't necessarily think that a check needs to be cut, but I think that perhaps for the descendants of African slaves, a government-funded program that, I don't know, pays a quarter or pays all of their upfront costs to get into a home, that would be a start. I think that tuition or funds for it doesn't I don't think that every kid needs to go to college and that's a subject for another day. But for whatever continued education, if they want to become a plumber, if they want to become a mechanic, if they want to become an electrician, anything, if they want to go into the arts, uh design some sort of educational fund. I think that funding, as there used to be in the 70s, they started, and then these um, these programs were slowly but surely whittled and eventually cut for lesser-funded communities, community centers that help with child care, that help with after-school uh, activities, uh, community medical uh, services for the elderly. All of these things, I think, would be a great start. And it would be beneficial for all of society. If everyone was a homeowner, and if you're a homeowner, you know, and you live in a neighborhood or you live in a condo, you see the difference between people's properties that are rent and those who are homeowners. Because homeowners... You know, they have some pride about where they live and they want to keep at least their property value. Renters don't care, don't tend to care. I'm not going to say that none of them care, but the reality is is they tend to care less. We'll say that. 
So wouldn't it benefit every community across the country to have homeowners? And also then that starts generational wealth when you think about it. Because if you own a home and you've paid your mortgage for that 20, 30 years, you have something to pass down to your kids or your grandkids. That is not prevalent. I think about uh, in this country, 5% of uh, black communities have that generational wealth to pass down. In fact, in this latest uh, recession, we um, black communities were hit hard because there were predatory uh, mortgage companies who were issuing mortgages just like Oprah, you get a mortgage and you get a mortgage. And it was these insane mortgages that unless you were extremely lucky, you were not going to keep your house. So you ended up with all these foreclosed homes. And that's just not the only thing. There's, you know, there's um, a lot of reports now with um, real estate agents. There was an article I read recently about how real estate agents in Long Island were only showing black uh, property seekers certain areas. And if they showed interest in other areas, they would inform them that they didn't feel that they could afford it. And I witnessed this personally recently. A friend of mine was looking for a home here in Atlanta. She is a woman of color as myself. And Oh, let's guess what areas her realtor suggested to her. Lithonia and Stone Mountain. Now, those are not like bad areas, but they are predominantly black areas. Interesting. Even 2019 in Atlanta, Jewel of the South. This is still going on. So reparations, people, yes. It is something that needs to be addressed because we need to start being able to deal with each other on a more equal basis because racism is a construct but in, and until that construct is destroyed and everyone is starting on the same even level playing field it will continue to exist so that's my thoughts about that coming up next sex toys <laughs> you know I'm gonna like that I would like to uh, rectify <laughs> a statement I made earlier I was mistaken kind of uh, Native Americans prior to 1924 were uh, were not necessarily considered American citizens but in 1924 they were granted citizenship and as a result Native Americans were granted free to travel in the United States. How absolutely amazingly nice of us, right, that we allowed the original dwellers of this land to leave the reservations we had um, encamped them in to travel as they wish. So very, very kind. So prior to 1924, but after that, they are considered American citizens. So, mm, the yummy part, sex toys. Sex toys. Everybody loves a sex toy. And if you don't, why don't you? I do. 
God knows I love a vibrator. I am all about clitoral stimulation. Mm, yes. Electric, preferably. I need that power. Oh, yes. And they can become addictive. And sometimes you have to take a break because, as you ladies who are listening know, we can become a little desensitized with too much stimulation. So, <laughs> cautionary tale. <laughs> God knows, you know, you don't want to end up with a masturbatory injury either. Been there and done that. But that's just for the enthusiastic like myself. <laughs> anyway, sex toys. Why are we so inhibited about them? I think that for women, we are inhibited in the sense that we don't necessarily want our partners to think that they are lacking. But let's face it, they are in many cases. Sometimes we need a little something extra. And I think that goes for both sexes, if we're honest. I don't think that everyone has the skill set for every person, no matter what our emotional attachment may be, can love you to death, but maybe you're just not quite hitting that spot for me and it's through no fault of your own but nonetheless the spot still needs to get hit so I suggest that people just start being honest with their sex partner I know I try to be honest sometimes I'm I think I'm too honest I am I'm sexually greedy I completely am I'm like in it for as many orgasms as I can get and as soon as I'm done I'm done and I tend to not be the most sharing character deficit, but I'm willing to own it. But I think that that's something that we should all do is recognize who we are sexually, what we're about sexually, and what our partner's needs are. And if you care about them, or at least want to have sex with them again, be open to maybe a little vibratory toy or maybe a, a nice plug if that's something that they enjoy. Anal stimulation is, there is no shame in it. I have been known to enjoy thumb in the ass, so a small plug is fine. I don't think that that's a submissive activity. I think it's a stimulation thing. But I guess that we need to get out of our own heads Stop worrying about what other people may think. Other people are not in your bedroom unless you're a swinger. If that's the case and you like to have everybody in your bedroom, chances are you're not that inhibited to begin with. And if that's not you and you really would like to have the best orgasm you would like to have, then be adventurous. Go shopping. Check out something new. If you don't like it, never do it again. But if you do, see what else is available. There is never anything wrong with adding another spice to your rack to add to the seasonings that fulfills a full palate. Just my thoughts. <laughs> so, this wraps up another episode uh, for Black Bells Academy. Again, I am... Mistress Lady Friday, headmistress, 
and we are located in Atlanta, Georgia, the jewel of the South. And you can catch us on Instagram at Black Bells Academy, Twitter at Bells Black, and give us an email at Black Bells Academy at Gmail. Check out our website at www.blackbellsacademy. And like our podcast, please favorite us. And leave us a voice message. We would love to hear from you. We're approaching um, a thousand plays. And I'd like to cross that line. And don't forget to support the podcast. Um, You will see a button on our profile. Please feel free to do so. And you guys have the happiest and happiest of holidays. Thank you.